0: good evening. There is a handout that uh, will be helpful to you this evening. Some some young ladies are passing those out, I think. If you would like one of the handouts from the previous two weeks, um, I'll try to bring some extras next week, which will be be the last session of family worship so that you can get those. also, the sessions are available. You can, you can go back and watch those if you, if you missed, if you feel like that would be helpful. In the first session, my goal was to, to, to try to express the importance, the critical nature of this work. Last week, I was hoping to give you the nuts and bolts, the basic mechanics of what a family worship session could look like there in your home. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about all the great things that can go wrong during family worship, and there are many of them. Several of you have spoken with me, asked me questions about some things that I'm going to address tonight, specifically with small children. Uh, I I want to assure you that I'm not talking to anyone specifically in here with some of the remarks that I make tonight. Uh, It's gonna feel like that to some of you, I bet, but I'm not. Um, These helps. Hopefully will apply to many of you, um, especially if you have small children, but also the principles will, would apply across the board. And for anyone who's done family worship with, with smaller children, you, you know exactly uh, the challenges there. And I hope to give you some strategies and some helps with that tonight, as well as some encouragement from the scriptures on those things. Okay, are we ready? Does everyone have one? Oh, I, w- I wanted to ask... Um, Has anybody, since we started a few weeks ago, this is our third session of family worship, has has anyone tried family worship in their home for the very first time? Maybe you've never really done it before and you've decided to try it for the first time. Anybody willing to admit that? Okay, yeah, thank you, Morgan. Yeah, it it can be a, a daunting thing, and the hope with these sessions is that we would take some of the mystery out of it and give you some basic, um, some basic steps to take to help you to begin to practice that. Also, before I pray, I want to mention to you and just ask for your uh, prayers for me. Uh, I think most of you know that I lead a missions organization and I travel to Kenya quite a bit. I just got word that they have instituted a, a vaccine mandate or requirement to enter the country. Uh, I'm scheduled to go there February, so I've got to evaluate what the best, best course of action is there. So I'd appreciate your prayers. And pray for the men who work alongside us there, because they're really the ones that are have to have big questions to answer. Um, they're denied basic services at this point if they can't produce proof of vaccination. So please pray for those men, the Apollos men especially. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. You have provided for us today. Lord, you've given us all that we need. And more. We are so blessed. You are so kind and merciful. So, Lord, we come to you with grateful hearts. We come to you humbly. We come to our, our good and gracious and mighty King, and we, we bring to you all of our worries and concerns and petitions, and we offer up a sacrifice of praise and, and thanks. And, Lord, I, I ask you this evening to help me to speak clearly to explain these things with in a way that is compelling and that would would encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ so that they might so that they might walk with you faithfully in their homes as they worship you with their families. And Lord I do pray for my my brothers in, in Kenya who have worked alongside me for, for years now. Lord I pray for Moses, John, Cyrus, Stephen, Peter, Lord, I pray that you would help them. Lord, I pray that you protect their their lives, their families, their livelihoods, their ministries. Lord, help them to be wise and Lord, uh, give, them, give them wisdom. I ask you to give me wisdom as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so tonight we're going to discuss some obstacles in family worship. But before we do, I, I want to, to share a couple of of encouragements to you. And I want to start with a few questions. The first, is, the first question is this. What images and feelings come to your mind when you think about your parents when you were a child? What sort of people were your father and mother? What lasting impressions did those who cared for you as a child leave on you? What about them is memorialized in your heart? Now, I want you to ask those same questions from the perspective of your spouse, your children, those with whom you live. What feelings and images will come to their minds when they think about your spiritual care for them? What kind of person are you from their perspective? What about you will be memorialized in, in their hearts? These questions, if you if you take them seriously, can serve to give you clarity about your actions right now, today. Strive to be remembered as a person of the scriptures, of, of prayer, of, of faith, who labored for the spiritual well-being of those around you, especially for those in your own household. You may have heard of John Patton. He was a missionary in the South Pacific for, for decades. He began his work there in 1858, but before he ever landed on the island of Tanna, which is, which is where he started his work, he was brought up in Scotland by parents who feared the Lord and lived a life of humble obedience to him. And I, I want to share with you one of John Patton's mem- memories of his father. He wrote this. He said... The prayer closet was a very small room between the other two, having room only for a little bed, a table and a chair, with a diminutive window shedding diminutive light on the scene. This was the sanctuary of that cottage home. There daily and oftentimes a day, generally after each meal, we saw our father retire and shut the door. And we children got to understand by a sort of spiritual instinct for the thing was too sacred to be talked about, that prayers were being poured out there for us as of old by the high priest within the veil in the most holy place. We occasionally heard the pathetic echoes of a trembling voice pleading as if for life and we learned to slip out and in past that door on tiptoe not to disturb the holy conversation. What a moving and convicting testimony. Reflections like these and the force of the scriptures remind us that the Lord hasn't left us here for our enjoyment or or comfort. This speck of life isn't an opportunity for you to fulfill your dreams or to reach your full potential. Your life is not your own. Your life is meant to be given for the sake of others, starting with the little flock under your roof. Let me take just a moment to address husbands and fathers, especially. Brothers, you will never stay faithful in the work of pastoring your wife and children if you aren't aware of and sensitive to the vital and indispensable nature of your charge. Think of it this way. You are the subject of a great and mighty king whom you fear with fear and love with all, all your heart and mind and soul and strength. And that king, he, he has written to you. And you read the letter, hands trembling. In it, he explains that you are to go on a dangerous journey to a new land, a better land, the king's own land where he has prepared a place for you. Beware, he says, the enemy is at hand, seeking whom he may devour. But take heart. The king has given you all that you need to make it there, to resist the enemy, to be victorious. And then something surprising. In the letter, he says, but you must not only make it yourself but bring this one along with you. He's given you a weaker vessel to lead to his land and perhaps little ones as well. You are to make this dangerous journey for the good of of your own soul and theirs. You're to be a representative of the king to them. You're to carry them safely through and the way you're to do this is by, me, by the means that the king has provided. Pray without ceasing. Cleanse her by the washing of water with the word. Address them in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Bring your little ones up in the knowledge of the Lord. Brothers, when we see that we've been commissioned by the king, what would prevent us from being faithful? Take heart, brothers. Be courageous, Now, wives and mothers, do you see the immense weight of responsibility that your husband carries? Knowing this, would you despise his efforts to be faithful to his king by pointing you to Christ and helping you to heaven? Would you let small offenses and grievances harden your heart toward your husband as he seeks to minister to you? I know he is imperfect and often fails to live with you in an understanding way. He falls woefully short of loving you as Christ loves the church. And yet, he is the man that your good and gracious king has chosen to be your husband and your shepherd. Forgive him his faults, follow his leadership, and encourage his efforts. And if there are children, both of you ought to spur one another on to the good works of raising them up in the fear and knowledge of the Lord. Now, the book of Proverbs helps us see this truth more clearly. I want to read a, a few of, of those. If we descend into the gold mine of, of the book of Proverbs with our, with our eyes peeled for nuggets of wisdom, It doesn't take long to see that there are many sayings that address the worship of God in the home and and the importance of the role of the husband and father and mother. So let's look at a few of them. They're listed there on your, your handout. Proverbs 6.20 says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Parents, how will your children keep your commands and forsake not your teaching unless they receive Commands and teaching from you? And which commands and teaching could be more useful and needed than spiritual instruction? And what better method for teaching children all the things of God than in daily times of worship? Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Brothers and sisters, how will a child know the way she should go unless... She is trained up in it. How will a child know the path of God unless it is shown to her? Whose responsibility is it to show her this path but her parents? And shall these parents not be held to account if they neglect so great a duty? And who can design a better system of training than tender times of daily worship in which the child participates in Bible reading and prayer and singing with her family? Proverbs 29:15 says the rod and reproof give wisdom but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother Can a child neglect himself If the neglect of a child is not the crime of the parents then whose is it And if spiritual neglect isn't the most grievous neglect of all then what kind is If a shepherd neglects his sheep and the sheep run over the cliff and crash to their death, does anyone point the finger at the sheep? Is the blame not to be laid at the feet of the negligent shepherd? Did he not drive them over himself by leaving his little ones to themselves? And finally, Proverbs 14, 26 says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. Where do children look for refuge besides the wisdom, provision, and strength of their father and mother? And on what ground can a father plant his feet so as to be a fit refuge for his family if if it not be the fear of the Lord? And finally, could there be a better way for a father to help his wife and children habitually find refuge in the shelter of his strong confidence in the Lord than regular times of family worship? These proverbs make something abundantly clear to us. The weight of the responsibility of the well-being of children is placed first and foremost on the shoulders of the governor of the home and secondarily upon the helpmeet. But we all know that every home is different. It isn't always clear how we should teach our family about the things of God. Sometimes there are very real obstacles to leading our families to take refuge under our wings as we trust and fear the Lord. Now, just to make sure that we're all on the same page here, let let me give you a definition of family worship. It's there on your handout. It says this, Family worship is a special time set aside and led by the head of the household in which the members of that household render worship unto God and receive of his blessings through the ordinary means of grace. One of the sweetest and toughest parts of family worship is including littles, as they're sometimes called, non-readers in a meaningful way. So from birth until about eight months, they are welcome, relatively unobtrusive guests in family worship gatherings, however, Once that little image bearer gets mobile and willful, the gig is up. Many a faithful family shepherd has been driven to the end of his rope trying to preside over a little flock that includes a toddler. So let me just give it to you straight. The stage that I'm referring to lasts for years. You can just count on a solid three-year span of wonderfully unruly family worship. But that's not all. The Lord loves some people so much that they actually end up with two or even three (laughs) little lambs in the toddler stage at the same time. So what's to be done? Do we put away our Bibles and hymnals until our kids can sit still? Do we shirk our duty to our God and our family because of inconvenience or frustration? May it never be. Those little lambs, as unruly as they may be, often have tender hearts open to the things of God. Their minds are learning, absorbing more information in those few years than, than we can possibly imagine. We dare not neglect their spiritual care just because it is difficult. Besides, with time, your toddler will become better acquainted with the, with the practice and expectations of family worship. They can learn to sit still, Pray, sing, and participate in meaningful ways, but it does take time. So there, there are a number of things that a shepherd can do to care for these little ones through, through participation in family worship. And I wanna share those, share those with you now. Let's walk through those one by one. I have, I have nine simple things. The first is this. Orient them to worship throughout the day. This has proven really helpful in my own life with my two little ones who aren't so little anymore, really. But for example, most nights, I think I mentioned this, with my two youngest children, as I put them to bed, we spend time going over catechism questions, hymns, and we pray together. So during that time, two things are happening. One, I'm teaching them what it means to participate in in worship, and two, we're worshiping. This sort of thing can happen throughout the day. When you pray before meals, for example, don't simply rush into it and rush through it. Thank you. That's exactly what we need for time. No, seriously. <laughs> it's wonderful. Slow down and explain to them what you're about to do. Ask them to close their eyes, fold their hands, whatever sort of little habits that you're teaching them to help them to focus on prayer and show them what prayer is soon they'll desire to pray as well let them number two teach and correct them during family worship so as you begin especially at the beginning of uh, of starting family worship in your home explain as you get started okay we are starting our time of family worship here's how we act in family worship. If you'd like to say something, you have to raise your hand. This is your seat, this is where you need to stay. If they are behaving in a distracting or inappropriate way, then you simply lovingly and firmly correct them. There is a pitfall here though. You don't want family worship to turn into a time of constant scolding and discipline. Now there is a balance and every family is different and every child is different but beware of that danger of your child associating family worship with getting in trouble. Number three, if there are older children, enlist them to help wrangle the littles. Now, not every family has this, but if you do, uh, the fact of the matter is the more hands and whispers that can help guide toddlers during family worship, the better. So speak to your older kids about how they can help the younger ones during family worship and, and explain to them it's not about just simply keeping the peace, but helping to train their little brother or sister so that they can learn about the one true and living God as well. Number four, you may need to give an especially busy toddler something to do with their hands. Now, this, this the, there is a danger here. You don't want to turn this into a time where they simply bring out all their toys and they're disengaged completely from the time of family worship and they're they're playing doing their own thing to the side. That that's not what we want. Um, that that might help for the time being, but in the long run, that actually is does more harm than good. That being said, it may be helpful for them to have a race car or a stuffed animal in their hand, hand something to do to keep their hands busy. There's nothing wrong with this, and it can prove to be the difference between total chaos, and making progress. Number five, sit them next to you. One strategy that I've found to be effective in, in our times of family worship, and in fact some of you I think have, have witnessed this, uh, is my youngest, Seth. He, he can be a bit rambunctious at times, but if I sense that things are getting a, a bit out of hand, a bit chaotic, I'll, I'll tell him to come and sit in a chair right next to me. This usually, um, this usually gets things back in line pretty quickly. Now, now, this only works because he's been taught to obey me in, in general. And, and that's, another, that's another teaching session another day. But if your child has learned to obey you and understands that there, there are consequences, then that might need to be brought up during family worship. So Seth knows that directly disobeying daddy means unpleasant consequences So he stays, and things generally get back on track pretty quick. Um, One question that sometimes comes up during this is, well, would you spank your child during family worship? And the answer is no, never. We pause family worship, I go spank at a timeout, and then we come back to family worship. But yes, discipline sometimes does need to happen right there in the middle. Number six, speak directly to them throughout family worship. Now, this is something that I struggle with we tend to think that because they're young and, and somewhat disengaged, they, they don't appear to be paying attention, that they don't understand what's going on. And, and we, this leads us often unintentionally to act as if they're not even there. Don't ignore these little lambs. When you're commenting on him or the scripture or the confession, direct some of those comments or questions straight toward them, which leads to number seven. Also, let them participate. Don't just speak to them, but but allow them to speak as well in a way to participate in family worship. Give them a Bible to hold during the Bible reading. Let them have their own family worship guide if you use those. I think you saw Seth's that was all colored up. Give them an opportunity to answer the simpler catechism questions. Allow them to sing parts of the song that they know. Oftentimes, if we're singing a hymn that, that Seth doesn't know at all, we'll ask him, Seth, what song would you like to sing a song as well? And he'll he'll choose Jesus Loves Me or Rock of Ages or Holy, Holy, Holy. And we'll sing a verse, verse of that as well. Number eight. Number eight. Hold them during the singing. Trust me on this one. If you can train your little one to snuggle up in your arms during... My Jesus, I love thee, or Rock of Ages. It not only helps them focus, but you'll, you'll cherish those moments. When they get too big, you'll lament the loss of the toddler days. In fact, that's my hope. I pray that your times of family worship with, with your littles become so sweet that you miss the days of family worship with little unruly lambs roaming to and fro. In fact, as we were singing a few moments ago, I was holding Seth, he's, he's about too big, he's getting too big, I'll, I'll hold him as long as I can, but, but I just kind of turned around and looked over the congregation and it was uh, wonderful to see many little lambs being held as we sing. Now, some little lambs were kicking and squirming a bit, others were laid on shoulders, but what, what a joy it is to hold our, our little ones and sing to the Lord. The last one is, is a bit of counsel don't forget that they are toddlers. <laughs> you can't change that. And, and why, would you, why would you want to? The point is this, don't expect perfection and don't become frustrated because a toddler is acting like well, a toddler. They certainly need correction and maturation, but, but that, that's a process. Don't try to rush them too quickly out of that all of this, of course, assumes that you are cultivating within yourself the heart of a pastor. If you find yourself frustrated or angry with your family, it is, it's generally an indication of a problem with you, not them. You can't shepherd little ones if you think too highly of yourself. You must have a humble heart. I plead with you to cultivate humility. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Dare we make efforts to see that our family is humbled before the Lord while we remain full of pride? Remember, your feeble soul is in just as much need of nourishment and refreshing and restoring as those under your care. Do you think that because you've been charged to care for the sheep under your roof that you are no longer in need of being shepherded yourself. Humble yourself. The work of your little flock is to receive the word, repent of sin, and walk in obedience. Your work is double. Your work is to give the word and receive it. Call for repentance and repent. Exhort to obedience and obey This, of course, is is no easy task. It takes great humility and fortitude to be a faithful family shepherd. But you are not alone in this work. Search out other faithful family shepherds from whom you can draw strength and encouragement. Talk amongst yourselves about how family worship is progressing and ask how other families dealt with specific problems. There are many who have come before and have left help for us today. For example, Richard Baxter wrote a thorough uh, treatment to prove the necessity of family worship. The the full version is wonderful. I want to share a part of that with you now. He, he, He gave a list of what he called special advantages that God has furnished families that make them especially adapted to the regular practice of worship. Let me summarize them for you. First, he says that a clear authority is already established to lead the family in worship. Number two, the flock is clearly defined, namely wife and children, as well as others that may be living in the household. Number three, the household is already dependent upon the head for daily provisions, and to to depend upon him for spiritual provisions is natural. Number four, they live together so getting together for worship is easy. Number five, they are family, so they will feel more responsibility toward one another's spiritual well-being. Number six, they know each other intimately, so there is no obstacle of unfamiliarity to prevent gathering together to worship. Number seven, the family shepherd is able to encourage and exhort his flock day in and day out which even pastors of local churches cannot do to such a degree. We ought to recognize these special advantages as further evidence of God's plan for families and give thanks for these graces that help us carry out this good work. So with these advantages in view, thinking about these, I want to encourage you to take specific action It's time to think about how your family will develop habits and routines that will aid in consistent family worship. So the call to action is set a routine. Now, routines and habits, they get get bad raps. We tend to think that if something becomes a habit, then it loses its meaning. But that's false. That's even dangerous thinking. Regular habits and routines are the building blocks of of what a person becomes and and how a family is shaped. Of course, we must guard against routines and habits becoming merely spiritual exercises devoid of, of meaning. But we ought not to disparage habits and routine settings simply because they have the potential to be misused. So it's important that you give some thought to your habits of family worship now, what, what things will stay constant? What will your family come to expect and depend upon during, during times of family worship? How will you establish the practice of regular, consistent family worship? In fact, today I received a, a text message from a, a brother, a pastor in another part of Arkansas, and he said, do you think it's okay to attach family worship to dinner, where you simply have dinner and you stay at the table and then you do family worship? And I said, I think that's a wonderful idea. And the reason it's a, it's a wonderful thing to do is because you, you anchor family worship to something that is already consistent in the, in the life of the family. So ask some questions like this. How often will we gather for family worship? What time during the day? Where will we conduct family worship? How long will it last? What will be the content of family worship? Will there be an ac- activity just before or just after? For example, dinner. Dinner. Talk with your spouse about these questions and allow others in the household to contribute to the conversation as well. The routine that you plan now will no doubt need to be adjusted as time goes on. But there's a lot of benefit to making a plan now and and setting setting up a routine. Let me end by just emphasizing the basic point here. Do set a routine. Do set a plan. Family worship will easily get pushed aside. It will be put to the back burner, postponed, neglected, if it is not given enough importance to schedule it. If you find yourself saying, well, we'll have family worship when there's a break in the day, when, when it, when it kind of works out and we, we're all together and it's a good time, then we'll do it. The fact is, if that's, if that's the, the perspective going into it, then more often than not, you won't get to it. The responsibility to lead your family in this practice is important enough to be put on the calendar. It's worthy of building your day around. Instead of fitting it in when it's convenient, force secondary issues to be moved, postponed, canceled in deference to family worship. Very good. I want to take a few minutes now to see if anyone has any questions about family worship, about dealing with littles or other obstacles that you may have come up against in your practice of family worship. Does anybody have a question? Yes, ma'am. Would you have maybe in the Bible or maybe like a dictionary nearby for some of the ones they don't understand that might be um, spiritually found in the Bible that it's hard to interpret? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So, for younger kids, maybe a help, an aid, to, to provide some commentary or explanation of difficult words. Yeah, th- that, that could be helpful. Um, so probably the best way to handle that, I, I think, is if the, the parents could simply just give a simple definition. Now sometimes, even in my own case, the parents are kind of thinking, I wish I had something to help me with this. So one little help that we have in our family, I'll tell, I'll tell you a little bush secret here, In our family worship, um, my daughter Sophia, she's got a MacArthur Study Bible and she always has that during family worship. So she's my resident theologian in cases of difficulty. In fact, we did it last night. (laughs) We're in Deuteronomy and there was a a law about uh, not bridling an ox and a donkey together. And I knew as we were reading, and, and I didn't prep, I opened it and read it with my family. I had not read it beforehand that day. So I, I knew as soon as we read it, okay, they're going to ask about this, and uh, I don't have a good answer. But the the study Bible helped with that. So um that could, some helps like that could be definitely be beneficial. But I'll tell you the best thing to do if you don't know the an, an answer to something, whether it's a word or a theological question, is say, I don't know. Let me let me get back to you on that. Um don't him-haul around and, and try to make up an answer. Which we tend, especially as dads, we, t- we tend to feel like we have to have all the answers. Let your children um, see you, A, tell the truth, and B, be humble enough to say, I'm not sure about that. Let me, let me ask one of the elders. So let me look it up, and I'll tell you later. Thank you for your question. Good, good question. Does someone else have a question they'd like to ask? Yes, sir. <laughs> From the previous day? Um, so we read through a book of the Bible we're in Deuteronomy right now read 22 last night I believe it was um, and so there is some natural flow from the day before and I don't necessarily do a recap but um, maybe maybe slightly and just to, to explain where we're going where we, where we came from yesterday but it's very short if I do though that would be a, a fine thing to do and another question yeah as far as as far as off the wall questions It's <laughs> my uh, third. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, and those come from the little ones um, that, you know, uh, why is the sky blue, Uh, those sorts of questions. Seth asks really good questions like that. Yeah, I I say, Seth, that's a good question. Let's talk about that afterwards. You, You don't want time to get eaten up by following rabbit trails like that too much. So, yeah. Thank you, Zach. Does someone else have a question they'd like to ask? Oh, yes, um, so I'm a single dad and we do family worship every day, but one of the hangups so I've been having is I work till 8 o'clock half the time mm-hmm. and say I get off work at 8. It's kind of getting close to bedtime. Yes. okay to do that over the phone because mm-hmm. yeah. because I know you know it's important to be there in person, but there's times when it's just it's good. I don't want to say that you know take the easy way out and do it for major but it's kind of the only way I have. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great. Praise the Lord for that faithfulness to, to do it over the phone, brother. I appreciate sharing that and doing that. Yes, over the phone is great. We've had family worship on the way to a baseball game and our Honda Odyssey before. Now those those things are the, the exception, obviously, but um, it's it's perfectly fine to do those sorts of things. In fact it's good. I, I, I we tend to take our family worship guys with us on vacation wherever we go and um, it's enjoyable to do it in new places. You know, it's how cool is it to sit on the beach and do family worship. So uh, yeah. Yes sir. Uh, we have a couple of different children's bibles that we read through um, you know the translations aren't good so you're constantly not reading what's there yeah, um, yeah. and um and they have you know colorful pictures and whatnot yes. and um and hudson's really benefited from them um we're on to you know sort of a, a, the next level Bible now where the stories are longer the pictures are smaller and mm-hmm. it's going well and he's enjoying that one more now than the previous one yeah. Um, and you're you're reading through um, a, a family worship uh, curriculum, right, with your family. Is it, yeah. The question is this. Mm-hmm. A good children's Bible for topics that you're going to read through at night before bed. Yeah. At night before bed. Yeah, ESV. Or any time through the day. Yeah. A good children's Bible. ESV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <you do> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so, so he sits on my lap and he yes. reads through and he finishes sentences for me and he talks out, tells me about the areas that yeah. and then he sees on the screen yeah. or on, on the page. Uh it's a book. Yeah. And uh you know when you flip the page you ask him what's this story mm-hmm. about and he tells you. Yeah. So I find that he he's growing from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not saying that those are those are necessarily bad programs. But I, I am I am gonna make a point though. I, I am i making a point with that. I uh, my son, he has a little kid's Bible like that. It's got, it's got some illustrations and whatnot, and those can be very helpful. During times of family worship, though, I would, I would steer away from children's Bibles and those sorts of, of aids. The, do it before bedtime, do it as you're in the car or other times. There's certainly, there is a place for... Doing activities that are specifically for a certain age group whether it's a teenager or a, a toddler but during family worship I would I, I think it's best to keep it as close to what happens here as possible because that's family worship is also a training ground preparing their their minds and their hearts for, for what happens here and um, it's also for you um, I think giving them allowing a, using a, a, a real full translation, a solid translation is the best route to take in family worship. And in other times to use those other helps for, for specific things. Yeah, I think my question is really times, so I probably should have asked you that later. No, it's okay. That's that's a good point to bring up because and I'm going to address that next week. A lot of what family worship turns to a lot of times is a, a BBS sort of thing. Something for the kids. We'll do a craft for the kids. We'll do a coloring sheet for the kids. We'll do A Bible story for the kids. And all those things can be very good. But at that point, family worship no longer becomes about the worship of God. It becomes about how can we keep our children entertained for a while and insert some Christian stuff in there. So um, we want to steer away from that. We use those helps as well, brother, but we try to avoid them in the actual family worship. Thank you. Does someone else have a... Yeah. So as... As your boys get older, Ryan, are you, um, your goal, instead of like when you're gone, you've got your oldest that takes charge. Yes. Um, Is it a goal to get more than one, to step up and eventually lead? Yeah. And that's part of your shepherding too? Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. Now the oldest son, you know, that's sort of a unique position. But yeah, my hope is that one day Silas will be leading family worship. Simeon and and Seth, not only because I'm gone sometimes, but because I, one day, they'll be leading families. And what they learn now and see now will will affect the way they see their families in the future. So yes, absolutely, is the is the hope the goal. Thank you. Another question? (coughs) Maybe one more before we wrap it. Okay. Yes. What's your name? So, <not> <laughs> And I think I showed you when he was up here his family worship guide. It's, it's marked like uh, crazy. And we, that's a part of our, remember I said have something in their hands. That's our solution. He has a pen and he has his family worship guide. And we let him go to town on it. Now not we're, we're trying to be destructive, but we let him color it and, and go to town on it. Because it's a, it keeps him engaged to some degree and he's learning. He, he feels a part as well. He's learning that we use a family worship guide and he has a little Bible. So. Okay, if you have another question or or something you'd like to to mention to me, I'll I'll be happy to speak with you afterwards. Let me pray for us to close our time. Lord, we thank you for your kindness, for your goodness. Lord, you are such a gracious, mighty, patient, benevolent God. we are so undeserving so lowly. Lord, you have smiled upon us. You've shown your favor to us. We thank you. Lord, we want to have humble, grateful hearts as we, as we do anything, but especially as we lead our families and gather our families together to worship you. Lord, one day we'll, we'll be doing that. We'll be worshiping you around the throne. And we'll look to our right and our left and we'll see some of these, see these same people there, Lord, and our children and our spouses. What a wonderful, beautiful picture it is to do that now or anywhere, even if the sink is full of dishes. Lord, you're worthy of our worship. Lord, you're, you are holy, holy, holy. Lord, help us, give us grace to do this faithfully. Because you're worthy, and because we need it for our own souls, oh Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.